हेलो एस्पिरेंट्स यू आर हियरिंग टू दी एस्पिरेंट वॉइस वेलकम टू माय न्यू सीरीज प्री पॉड बाय एस्पिरेंट वॉइस इन दिस एपिसोड वी आर गोइंग टू डिस्कस अबाउट वीकली करंट अफेयर्स फॉर एस्पेशली इन फोकस ऑफ प्रीलिम्स एग्जामिनेशन नाउ विदाउट एनी डिले लेट्स डिस्कस फिफ्टीन इम्पॉर्टेंट टॉपिक्स दैट मे बी यूजफुल फॉर प्रिलिम्स एग्जामिनेशन फॉर टू थाउजेंड लेट्स get into the topic number 1 that is dark genome scientists looking into the so called black genome have uncovered newly developed areas that code for proteins linked to schizophrenia and bipolar diseases the human genome is traditionally divided into two parts the first one is the dark genome and the other is the light genome basically this coding genome is responsible for the 20000 annotated human protein coding genes A gene that does not encode proteins is known as dark genome, and also the dark genome encompasses ninety eight point five percent of genomic space, and contains repetitive elements, enhances regulatory regions and non-coding RNAs, and also outside of our genes, it is made up of DNA. These are the regions that produce proteins but aren't classified as genes in the traditional sense. and according to the researchers these novel proteins can be utilized as biological indicators to differentiate between schizophrenia and bipolar disorder it can also be used to identify patients who are more likely to suffer from psychosis or commit suicide so in this dark genome topic the key takeaway is it will be helpful for uh, to identify the patients who so more likely suffer from psychosis or committing suicide kind of thought process you know depression and also it will be helpful for this bipolar disorder and also it will be helpful to decode and proteins that are linked to schizophrenia this is all about dark genome now let's discuss the second topic that is one nation one grid one frequency recently the power grid corporation of india limited is commemorating the one year anniversary of this initiative Uh, one nation one grid shall synchronously connect all the regional grids and there will be one national frequency the grid management on a regional scale began in the 1960s and state grids were initially interconnected to establish five regional grids that is north east west south and northeastern the northeastern and eastern grids were linked in 1991 whereas the western and eastern and northeastern uh, these were connected in 2003 and the northern east grids were joined in 2006 and the northern eastern western and northeastern regional grids are therefore synchronous uh, synchronously coupled establishing a central grid that operates at a single frequency and with the commissioning of the 765 kilowatt raicha solapur transmission line in 2013 the southern region was connected to the central grid in synchronous mode and achieving one nation one grid one frequency by transferring power from resource centric regions to load centric regions synchronization of all regional grids will aid in the most efficient use of finite natural resources furthermore this will pave the path for the creation of a thriving electricity market that will facilitate power trading across the regions now let's discuss the third topic that is ins vikrant in kochi indian vice president paid a visit to the ins vikrant India's first indigenous aircraft carrier the IAS sorry IAC1 Vikrant 
is India's largest and most complicated warship. And at present, India only possesses one aircraft carrier. The is the INS Vikramaditya, INS Vishal, India's second IAE, has been pending and waiting for clearance from the Defence Ministry since 2017. The Navy's Directorate of Naval Design created the IAE One Vikrant, which was built by India's state-owned Cochin Shipyard Limited. Vikrant can reach a top speed of roughly 28 knots, that is nautical miles, and cruise at 18 nautical miles, with a range of about 7,500 nautical miles. MIG 29K fighter jets, Camo 31 helicopters, MH 60R multi-role helicopters will be used on IAC-1 Vikrant. And Vikrant's construction put India into a narrow group of countries that is capable of building state-of-the-art aircraft carriers. This is about the INS Vikrant. Now let's discuss the fourth topic that is offline small-value e-payments. The Reserve Bank of India has released a framework. to make small value digital payments easier to make offline this framework allows offline payments up to rupees 200 per transaction subject to a total limit of rupees 2000 in order to promote digital payments in semi urban and rural areas the payment and settlement systems act of 2007 gave birth to this framework and offline digital payment does not necessitate internet or telecommunications access offline payments can be made face to face Through proximity mode via any channel or instrument such as cards, wallets, and mobile devices under the new framework, an additional factor of authentication would not be required for such transactions, because the transactions are offline. The consumers will receive alerts through SMS and/or email after a period of time, and the framework went into effect immediately according to the Reserve Bank of India. The new criteria must also be followed by authorized payment system operators. and payment system participants who want to facilitate small value offline digital payments now let's discuss the fifth topic that is pangong lake this is in the context that china is building a bridge in ladakh that will connect the north and south banks of pangong so lake cutting the time it takes for the chinese army to transfer troops and equipment between the two sectors dramatically the endoric lake of pangong so which meaning high grassland lake spans eastern ladakh and western tibet this boomerang shaped lake is located in ladakh himalayas at a height of above 14000 feet the landlocked lake is the highest saltwater lake on the planet and more over two third of the lake is under chinese authority with the remaining one third in india near the midway point of the lake lies konak fort which is close to where china is building the new bridge and it too is under chinese authority uh let's discuss the other lake that is endoric lake what is endoric lake this is the collection of water within an endoric basin or sink with no obvious outflows is known as endoric lake it is also known as sink lake or terminal lake the caspian sea is the world's largest endoric lake and it is also the world's largest lake in terms of surface area river flow into the lake discharge and precipitation falling into the lake are the two main ways endoric lake accumulate water instead of discharging the lake's accumulated water it can only be lost by above evapotranspiration or percolation endoric lakes are often saline due to the inability of evaporation or remove solutes from the lakes and these lakes can be used as 
markers of anthropogenic change in the areas around them and such as irrigation or climate change and cryptoric lakes are those that have subsurface drainage now let's discuss the sixth topic that is bioenergy crops according to a new study changing annual crops to permanent bioenergy crops can result in a cooling effect in the growing areas bioenergy crops are plants that can be cultivated and maintained at a cheaper cost for the generation of biofuel bioenergy crops are one type of energy source that could have a good impact on the environment by lowering carbon dioxide levels greenhouse gas emissions and soil erosion also these crops increase soil carbon and fix carbon in the atmosphere they could be utilized to treat heavy metal contaminated soils by photoremediation there are five different types of bioenergy crops corn sorghum rapeseed and sugarcane are first generation bioenergy crops switchgrass miscanthus alfalfa reed canary grass napier grass and other plants are the example of second generation bioenergy crops boreal plants crassulacean acid metabolism plants eucalyptus and microalgae are the examples for the third generation bioenergy crop acacia eucalyptus prosorina maloliaceae prosopis rhizophora and tamarics are examples of bioenergy halophytes and perennial herbaceous and woody plants spe- species such as jane miscanthus switchgrass jatropha and algae are used as dedicated energy crops bioenergy crop uh, bioenergy crop cultivation covers that 3.8% of the global total land area or 0.5% and these crops are biophysical cooling or warming effects can enhance or diminish the effectiveness of the bioenergy crop production with uh, carbon capture and storage uh, which uh, storage in regulating temperature increases and woody crops cause higher changes in energy fluxes in the culture region than herbaceous crops and the cooling effect is stronger and healthier across different cultivation maps now let's come into the seventh topic that is index of eight core industries the office of economic advisor department for promotion of industry and internal trade announced the index for eight core industries eight core core okay industries for november 2021 the base year of the index of eight core industries is 2011-12 that is 100 now the coal crude oil natural gas petroleum refinery products uh, fertilizer steel cement and electricity are the eight core industries these core industries account for 40.27% of the weight of goods in the industrial production index and data on electricity generation from the renewable source has been included since 2014 since 2019 a new steel product called hot rolled pickled and oiled has been incorporated in the manufacture of finished steel under the item coal rolled coils now let's discuss the uh, eighth topic perovskite based solar cells iit guwahati researchers have developed a polyelectrolyte uh, which is a positive or negative charged polymer this is to improve the stability of perovskite films used in hybrid perovskite based solar or photovoltaic devices a perovskite structured molecule most frequently a hybrid organic inorganic lead or tin halide based substance serves as the light harvesting active layer 
in a perovskite solar cell so perovskite based devices are widely utilized in semiconductor materials uh, because they are inexpensive and simple to produce in order to, in order to develop large scale perovskite solar cells high quality defect free perovskite films with increased surface coverage are required perovskite materials on the other hand are exceedingly unstable in ambient uh, and environments limiting their commercialization while we while thinking about stabilization using a passivation coating to harness the full potential of the perovskite active layer is the most convenient approach to do so and this will make the perovskite active layer more stable or less susceptible to environmental influences such as humidity and oxygen in this case and solar cells based on perovskite can be made at room temperature making them more cost effective and eco friendly because all of the components in hybrid perovskite based solar cells are recyclable they will contribute to reducing the rising problem of waste electrical and electronical equipment according to a forecast by the international renewable energy agency global pv trash would reach 78 million tons by 2050 with india being one of the top 5 pv waste producers this is about perovskite based solar cells now let's get into the ninth topic whale shark the andhra pradesh forest department rescued a 15 foot whale shark the world's largest fish species is the whale shark you know and its scientific name is rhinocodon typus its maximum size could be as large as 20 meters and the whale sharks are white spotted and can be found in all tropical oceans around the world gujarat india has the highest density of whale sharks in the indo pacific region whale sharks signal the availability of plankton and the overall health of the waters through their presence they like the world's second largest fish the basking shark the whale shark is a filter feeder meaning it feeds on plankton so it juts out its massive jaws and passively filters everything in its path in order to consume the process is known as in order to consume the plankton and this process is known as uh, cross flow filtering these whale shark travels great distances in search of food in order to maintain their vast size and reproduce or fishing for meat fins and oil by catch uh, that is unintentional capture of non target species in fishing gear and habitat destruction sluggish reproduction climate change and tourism are all threats for these whale sharks and it is uh, enlisted as endangered under iucn red list and also it is listed in the schedule 1 under the wildlife protection act 1972 now let's discuss the 10th topic uh, sgf restructuring under the rule 26 of the sgf rule that is sgf stands for sugar development fund so under the rule 26 of the sgf rules 1983 the department of food and public distribution released rules for restructuring this sgf loans the purpose of these loans these rules is to make it easier to rehabilitate financially distressed but economically viable sugar mills that have taken out loans under the sugar development fund act of 1982 these rules apply to all forms of sgf loans and including those taken out by cooperative societies private limited companies and public limited companies the guidelines provide for a 2 year moratorium before repaying the sgf loans over a 5 year period 
the eligible sugar factories will receive a full waiver of additional interest and uh, the eligibility is the sugar factories listed below are uh, eligible for restructuring a sugar plant that has been losing money for the past three years or the sugar factory has a native net worth and the sugar factory has not been closed for more than two sugar seasons excluding the current sugar season and has not ceased to crush kerosene. This is the 10th topic. Now let's discuss the 11th one, which uh, in which a Gujarat High Court Division bench has ordered a journalist charged with contempt of court to talk only in English because it is the language of the higher judiciary. There is a provision in the High Court that any party who does not hire a lawyer and attends in person must talk only in English. The court further emphasized that Article 348 of the Constitution required that the High Court's language be English. Article 348 of Clause 1 of the Indian Constitution states that the unless Parliament passes a law to the contrary, all the hearings in the Supreme Court and all High Courts must be conducted in English. However, under Article of 348 Clause 2, the Governor of the State may approve the use of Hindi or other another language, I mean another official language of the state in high court proceedings with the president's assent and provides that all decrees, judgments and orders issued by such courts are in English. The use of Hindi or the official language of the state in addition to English may be authorized in the high court for that state under section 7 of the Official Language Act 1963. The authorization can be granted by the governor of the state with the consent of president. And the High Courts of Rajasthan, Uttar Pradesh, Madhya Pradesh and Bihar have already made provisions for the use of Hindi in proceedings as an option. Now let's discuss the 12th topic, Acclamation. Desmond Tutu, the Nobel Peace Prize winning Anglican clergyman and anti-apartheid fighter had his body acclimated. Here we have to understand what is acclimation. It's also known as water cremation. Green cremation, chemical cremation or alkaline hydrolysis is a flameless cremation procedure that uses water instead of fire. Acclimation is a technique in which the body of deceased is immersed for 3 to 4 hours in a pressured metal plentifully filled with a mixture of water 95% strong alkali 5% and heated to roughly 150 degrees Celsius. In this process, the combination of gentle water flow, temperature and alkalinity enhances the decomposition of the organic molecules. And the decomposition that takes place during alkaline hydrolysis is the same as that which has placed during burial but it is accelerated drastically by the chemicals. And the result is that the procedure liquefies everything giving only bones and effluent a neutral liquid. After that the bones are dried in an oven and reduced to white dust. Salts, sugars, amino acids and peptides are found in the effluent which is sterile after the process is finished, there is no tissue or DNA remaining. This effluent is dumped with the rest of the waste water and this beneficial addition to the water systems. Uh, and Herbert Hansen, a farmer who was trying to create an imaginative way to make fertilizer from animal carcasses, devised a patented the acclimation process in 1888. In 1993, Albany Medical College deployed the first commercial system following that hospitals and colleges with donated body programs continue to use the method. The main advantage in the process of acclimation is it, it utilizes five times less energy than fire. It also cut down the quantity of greenhouse gases released during the cremation by roughly 35%. 
बिकॉज इट कंज्यूम्स सब्सटेंशली लेस फ्यूएल एंड हैज़ ए लोअर ओवरऑल कार्बन फुटप्रिंट दैन टिपिकल क्रिमेशन प्रोसीजर्स द प्रोसेस प्रोवाइडिंग ए ग्रीन अल्टरनेटिव टू स्टैंडर्ड क्रिमेशन प्रोसेस वेल कमिंग टू दीगैलिटीज इन टू थाउजेंड नाइनटीन वाज मेड लीगल इन साउथ अफ्रीका ओनली फ्यू कंट्रीज हैव लीगलाइज दिस प्रोसेस नाउ लेट्स डिस्कस द ट्वेल्थ टॉपिक डी एन ए फ्लोटिंग इन द एयर हैज़ बीन प्रोवेन टू हेल्प बायोडाइवर्सिटी कंजर्वेशन एफर्ट अराउंड द वर्ल्ड अकॉर्डिंग टू टू इंडिपेंडेंट स्टडीज सो दिस इज ई डी एन ए टेक्निक एनिमल्स रिलीज डी एन ए इन टू द एनवायरमेंट थ्रू देयर ब्रीथ सराइवा फॉर एंड पीकस दिस डी एन ए स्टैंड आर स्ट्रेवन अबाउट इन द एयर एंड एनवायरमेंटल डी एन ए रिफर्स टू द डी एन ए फाउंड इन द एयर दैट इज ई डी एन ए एनिमल ट्रैकिंग बाई ई डी एन ए इज इन ए नोवल कॉन्सेप्ट बाई सीक्वेंसिंग ई डी एन ए फ्राम वाटर सैम्पल्स बायोलॉजिस्ट वेयर एबल टू सी एक्वाटिक स्पीसीज सिमिलरली द टू टीम्स यूज सेंसिटिव फिल्टर्स कपल टू वैक्यूम पम्प्स टू फिल्टर ई डी एन ए फ्राम द एयर आफ्टर एक्सट्रैक्टिंग डी एन ए फ्राम द एयर द टीम्स यूज पॉलीमरेज चेन रिएक्शन टू मेक कॉपीज दट इज शॉर्ट फ्रॉम पी सी आर नाउ दिस डी एन ए सीक्वेंसिंग वॉज द फाइनल स्टेज एंड द एनिमल्स वर सब्सिक्वेंटली आइडेंटिफाइड बाई कंपेरिंग द सीक्वेंसिंग डेटा टू नॉन सीक्वेंसेस These eDNAs have the potential to be utilized to identify the track, or identify and track the terrestrial animals. Their findings could aid in deciphering animal community composition and detecting the spread of non-native species. However, the eDNA technology in its current state is unable to produce accurate data for population census. It will, however, in the future. Now let's discuss the fourteenth topic, that is Anemone Tiger Reserve. An official from the Anamalai Tiger Reserve praises the ICAR Sugarcane Breeding Institute for its tribal empowerment initiatives. Originally named Anamalai Wildlife Sanctuary, it was renamed Indira Gandhi Wildlife Sanctuary and National Park before becoming the Anamalai Tiger Reserve in 2008 when Project Tiger was established. The Tamil Nadu part of the Anamalais is home to ATR in Kerala and Tamil Nadu. and the reserves tamil nadu section is known as atr it is located in the southwestern ghats south of palakkad gap and it is a dry deciduous forest semi evergreen forest and evergreen forest and wet temperate forest all exists in this region and the annual rainfall is varies between 500 mm to 5000 mm 500 mm to 5000 mm with the eastern slopes receiving the least rainfall in the western slopes receiving highest rainfall while uh, discussing about the uh, biodiversity elephants goats water buffalo tigers panthers lord bears pangolins black headed orioles crocodiles green pigeons civet cats doles sambars and 31 endangered wildlife mac- macaque groups are there here and pied hornbill red whiskered bulbul and drongo are the three bird species here the malasar uh, malay malasas kadars ravelers flyers and muduwars are among the indigenous people who live in anamalais and it is worthy of being declared as a anthropological reserve now let's discuss the last topic for this week uh, nai talim According to India's Vice President, the new education policy supports Mahatma Gandhi's Nai Talim by emphasizing the mother tongue as a medium of instruction at the school level. At a seminar in Ward 
Varda, Maharashtra in 1937, Gandhiji ceded a vital area to restructure the education system to Naithalim. He dubbed it Naithalim or New Education for a New India, since it would allow every Indian to contribute to the creation of a decent society. Gandhi's pedagogy was built on three pillars that are uh, it emphasizes on education's lifelong nature, social significance, and forms as a holistic process. Education, according to the Gandhi, is the moral development of the person, a process that is lifelong, by definition, by Mahatma Gandhi. This is all about uh, prelims current affairs of this week, that is from January 2nd to January 8th. The notes to this particular uh, I mean, all the topics will be provided in my website. The link will be given in the description. Please log in and subscribe over there. And the second episode will be coming next week. Thank you.